Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. The first week we talked about about insight, right? In order for us to, 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 to have a vision, to have clear vision, which 2020 is uh, for, 20, for the year 2020, we have to look inward. That's what insight is. We have to have an insight. God, what do you want to do? Uh, I share with you all how many people set goals and resolutions, and by the second or third week, you know, they've, they've, they've dropped off. And, and I applaud you, Will. You and your third week are going to the gym every single day, and you haven't missed. Good job, Will. All right? Keep it up. The minute he stopped posting, watch this, the minute he stopped posting, y'all call and check on him. <laughs> 31 days. So, so listen, uh, but, and I share with you all, the reason why a lot of people fail is not because of, of, of they're, they're lazy. It's because of they don't add God to it. And I've shared with you all that every year I set goals and I've been successful at achieving my goals, not because I work that hard, not because I'm that smart or that I'm that committed. I'm committed to praying. It's when I put a goal and say, hey, God, this is what I want to accomplish personally. Man, I make sure God is in front of it because that's the insight I get. And that every goal you set, you've got to put God in front of it. You'll see greater success that way. And so that's what we talked about week one. Week two, we talked about how. We have to begin to look at the future. Well, how do we look at the future? We have to look at it through God's eyes. So we talked about uh, in week two, foresight and how how many people will fall to the side because they lack uh, prophetic vision, right? They they lack prophetic vision, prophetic vision being uh, hindsight, insight, and foresight, the ability to look forward and look look, look in the future toward God. This week, what I want to talk to you about now is let's make it personal. Let's, let's put some action to our steps. So a lot of people don't fulfill their vision. They don't fulfill what God has called them to do. Why? Because, here it is, they don't feel qualified. How many of you have God given a, a, a vision so big, you're like, no, nah, that ain't for me. <laughs> now, I'm not, I, I don't even have a degree in that thing. I, I don't even, it would, no, that ain't, that ain't what you, I want to do this thing, God, and I know you've given me this vision, but I am not qualified. How many of you feel that way? How many of you feel like there's this thing you want to do, but you're looking at your age and saying, you know what? I'm, I'm too old. It's too late in the game for me to start that. It's too late in the game for me to go back to school. It's too late in the game for me to start a family. It's too late in the game for me to get married. It's too late in the game for me to start a business, right? How many of you feel that age restriction coming up on you? How many of you feel, so we got unqualified, we feel that age is a factor. How many of you feel, you know, I tried that and I failed? So I'm not going to try that again because I don't want to fail again. How many of us been in that, that category? I'm going to speak from a biblical standpoint and bless your life today and show you that if God, remember I told you last week that, 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 that at the moment of conception, guess what? God injected into you purpose. At the moment of conception, 
He gave you life and purpose at the same time. They weren't separately. He was like, life, here's purpose. None of us exists on this side of heaven just to exist. None of us were born just to add to the population on earth. No, every single one of us, God has called us with a purpose. We are here for a reason. We are not here uh, just to exist. We're not here, watch this, to make a whole bunch of money. We're not here to be famous. We're not here to be influential. No, God has called every single one of us from the moment of conception with a purpose. And the thing about it is, watch this, no matter what you do, no matter how much you fight it, no matter how much you turn away from it, God is going to get that purpose out of you. And if it gets to a point where you just too, 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 as my grandmama would say, manage to listen, huh? If it gets to that point, guess what he's going to do? God says, okay, guess what? I'm going to do to you what I did to the people of Israel. Right. I'm just going to take it from you and I'm going to give it to somebody in your lineage. All right. So we know that the people in Israel, they they wandered for 40 years. They didn't want to get the blessed. They didn't want to get what God was giving them. He says, "Okay, I'm going to let y'all be out here in the wilderness. But the next generation, guess what? They're going to go to the place that I've promised them because y'all too manage to get what I'm giving y'all. So he's going to get purpose. He has a purpose for you specifically, but he has a purpose also for your lineage, your name, your family line. He has a purpose for and he's going to get it out with or without you. But he wants to use you. Okay, so let's talk about that. Today's message is entitled called and qualified. I remember September 11th, 2011. It was a very scary moment. September 11, 2011 was a very scary moment for me. I remember this was the day that we met together at the, the, the Midtown Arts Cinema. It's across from Grady High School, across from Piedmont High School. I mean, Piedmont uh, Park. And I'll never forget the weeks prior to that. Preparing a message, not knowing what to say, not knowing how to say it, not knowing what it means to be a pastor, and asking God the same way Jesus did, remove this cup from me. Because God, I don't know how to pastor. I've preached at this point probably three times. Once while I was at ITC, because that was part of the class, the preaching class. Once in the absence of my pastor, and once when my college professor invited me to do the last, uh, the last sayings of Jesus, the last seven sayings of Jesus. That was the only three times I'd ever preached or prepared a sermon. So I was like, what in the world am I supposed to do? God, remove this cup from me. Anybody had those God remove these cup moments? Well, mine happened on September 27, 2011. Now, if you know me, I'm an entertainer. I'm not afraid of crowds. Matter of fact, the larger the crowd, the better I perform. But this day was different because I wasn't performing. I was proclaiming. And I didn't want to mess this up for God. So here I am, mic in my hand, sermon prepared. And excuse me, I have a cough drop right now because my throat is itchy. And I said, God, you speak. And September 11th, 2011, I preached my very first sermon as the pastor of what was then called Courageous Church. As the lead pastor, that moment I was, was thrust into something I never planned for, I never prepared for, I begged that God would take away. And, and in that moment, I will tell you, I'll never forget, I was standing there, and you probably couldn't see it if you were there that day, 
but my legs were trembling like this. I was nervous. My voice was kind of high pitched, and I really did not know what I was going to do or what to say. How am I going to lead these people? God, these people are depending on me to say something to make them continue to believe in you. And you calling me to do this? And here I am. God, I am not qualified. Take this cup from me. And I don't think there's anybody in this room that, that has never gone through a similar. Yours may be with a job. Yours may be with a spouse. When I met my spouse, I said, nah. She's too smart for me. She's, she's too smart. She's too beautiful. Nah, this ain't, she, she's, I, I'm going to blow this thing. And I look up 16 years later, she's still with me. I mean, she knows my, listen, when I say she knows my worst, she knows my worst, worst. And I still be like, you still with me? <laughs> I mean, I just laid something deep on you. And you still with me? Because he qualified. God, where he calls you, he qualified. That's relationships, that's jobs, that's everything. So I want to jump right into this. And the first point I want to share with you is this. Age ain't nothing but a number. Age ain't nothing but a number. Meet me over in the Old Testament. Let's talk about Jeremiah for a little bit because I know a lot of people feel pressure. And I, 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 I hear this from people in two primary areas. I hear this from people who, who, who are thinking they want to go back to school, right, who didn't finish their degrees. Oh, I'm too old. Age ain't nothing but a number. I hear this from people who say, hey, you know, and I hear, I mean, I've heard it from like my relatives, you know, uh, you know, who said, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I, I'm too old now. I'm just giving up. I ain't going, I ain't thinking about marriage. And I'm like, you know, I just say my mom, you know, I'm like, mom, you are beautiful. You're never too old. You know what? You could, you could spend the rest of your life with a mate. You can't just give up. You know, what God has for you is for you. Right. Don't just give up. And I'm speaking to everybody. So those are the two areas I hear people who, who look at age and say, I'm too old. Right. Or in Jeremiah's case, some say I'm too young. All right. So let's talk about that. Jeremiah chapter one. And I'm going to read verses one through 12. And I'm not going to read all of it. I just want to set this up for you. Okay, Jeremiah chapter one, verse one, one through 12. Here it is. These are the words of Jeremiah, son of Hekiah, one of the priests from the town of Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. The Lord first gave messages to Jeremiah during the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. The Lord's messages continued throughout the reign of King Jehoiakim, uh, Josiah's son, until the 11th year of the reign of King Zedekiah, another one of Josiah's sons. In August of that 11th year, the people of Jerusalem were taken away as captives. And this is Jeremiah saying this. Jeremiah said, and the Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Put your finger on the pause button. What did I just say earlier? At the moment of conception, God gave you life and purpose, not just life. And here we see the evidence of it. The minute you were conceived, God says, I've got something specifically for you. God has called you to do something and qualified you to do something that only you can do. He's given you something that nobody else can do. I know the gifts may manifest themselves similarly. I know the gifts may look the same in how they, how they perform, but you're the one that God has called to do something for somebody that nobody else can do. 
Every single one of us is called to do something that somebody else can't do. Even the gift, even though the gifts may look alike, they may look similar, right? So at the point of conception, we see he told, here's God telling Jeremiah, watch this. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Here's Jeremiah's response. Oh, sovereign Lord, (laughs) I can't, I can't speak for you. Why? I'm too young. Oh, God, I, I, I can't preach for you. I'm too inexperienced. Oh, God, I can't, I can't serve that community. I don't even know what to say to them. Oh, oh God, I can't, I can't start this business because I don't even have, have the, the, the experience or the knowledge. God, God I, can't, I can't do because of my age. God, you want me to do that? I'm too old. God, you want me to do that? I'm too young. And he said right here to Jeremiah, the Lord replied, don't say I'm too young. For you must go where I sing you and say whatever I tell you to say. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Not Google. Not Siri. Not the other one. I didn't ask y'all to say who it was. I intentionally said that. (laughs) Y'all going to say it and all of a sudden everybody's house right now. Alexa's asking what you want. (laughs) Alexa, yes, whatever. I can't stand these things. No, he said, this is the Lord that is speaking. Then he said, he said, then the Lord reached out. Check this out. And he touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today, I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. Then the Lord said to me, look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I replied, I see a branch from an almond tree. And the Lord said, that's right. Check this out. That's right. And that almond tree means that I am watching and I will certainly carry out all my plans. If God called you to it, your age doesn't matter. And too many of us let our age, our timeline define our destiny. I'm too old. I can't do that. I'm too young. I can't do that. No, no, no. God says, listen, if I called you to it, I don't care how old or young you are. I'll put my words in your mouth. I'll put I'll be with you when you speak to the people. I will be with you when you go to the interview. I will be with you when you when you're out there speaking to people that you don't feel qualified to speak to. I don't care how old or young you think you are. I am with you. Well, how do I know that? Well, let's look at some other examples where people had uh, who, who, who were called for something because of age and then they didn't see it manifest for a while. Y'all know King David, right? At, uh, king David was anointed to be king between the ages of 10 and 15 years old. Can you imagine? Check this out. He's in the field taking care of stinky sheep. He's in the field fighting lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Right. He's in the field funky. They're out there lined up. He ain't even worried. He ain't even he ain't even worried about what they're doing. He's doing what he's supposed to do, taking care of sheep. And all of a sudden, here they come. Looking for David and his funky, dirty self. He goes with his older brothers standing there before royalty right before him. And all of a sudden he's anointed king. 
between the age of 10 and 15 years old, standing there. They anoint this man. Can you imagine? David's like, really? Okay. When is that going to happen? He goes back to the thing. Every day for the next 15 years or more, he has to go back and tend to sheep, knowing that someday he's going to be great, that, that his life is greater than sheep. His life is greater than cleaning up after funky sheep. His life is greater than fighting lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. His life, he is destined to be king, but he don't know when. So for the next 15 years or more, he has to still deal with stinky sheep, knowing that at some point they anointed me to be king. At any point, he could have said, I, I give up on that dream. I give up on that dream. That was all just a joke. That was all just for political reasons. That was all just for, for shine. They really didn't mean that. They were just trying to prove a point. But never did he give up on the dream. Never did he give up on the anointing. He could have. Age 10 or 15, anointed king. He did not, according to Bible, read your Bible, he did not become king until the age of 30. Can you imagine that? Having to deal with that? And how many of us have God given a dream to a long time ago, but you sitting here watching your clock? I ain't getting no younger, God. If this going to happen, it's got to happen. I, this, here's the funny thing about us, right? Can I be honest? And I say us because I've done it. We start looking at our age, birthdays come around, like, God, if you're going to do it, you got to do it now. I ain't getting no younger. Who am I talking to? God, if this is going to happen, listen, I just had another birthday. I'm knocking on 40. I'm knocking on 50. God, you said, I'm starting to doubt you now, God. Can you imagine David? Every time he had to go clean up after a stupid sheep, every time a sheep ran away, man, I'm sick and tired of chasing these sheep. God, you said I was going to be king. And he was anointed king. He never gave up on that. He said, and, and, and let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you with the posture of what you do while you're waiting. You take on the posture of David. You take on the example of David. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do until where I'm supposed to go happens. <laughs> and here it is. The reason why a lot of us have not been anointed yet to where we're supposed to go, we ain't taking care of where we're at right now. Shh. And you mad that you ain't seen that thing, that dream that God gave you come to fruition. God said, I, 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 I'm waiting for you. I'm ready. I'm just waiting for you. I need you to take care of where I have you first. You just keep complaining about where you're at. And since you don't know how to steward where you're at, you don't know how to look at the blessings what I've given you of where you're at. Since you don't know how to do that yet, you just stay right there until you learn how to thank me that you're here. And once you learn how to be in my grace where you're at, I'll give you grace where you're going. But you've got to appreciate where you're at now. Maybe I didn't get it with David. Let me tell you about this one beautiful sister. She was old in age. Her name was Sarah. And so uh, <laughs> God first told her husband, he said, yo, man, yeah, check this out. You, gonna, you and Sarah are going to have a baby. Abraham like, <laughs> what is this, night at the Apollo comedy night? What are you talking about, man? I'm like, I'm 100 years old, bro. What are you talking about? I'm almost 100 years old having a baby. I mean, I, I mean, I still get it in, but I don't know if I can still have kids, Jack. He said, tell your wife. Even that was a joke for Abram. Tell my wife, all right, you said, hey, honey, uh, check this out. Uh, so I know you up in age. You're still fine as wine, baby, but check this out. Uh, you're going to have a baby soon. 
Bible says she laughed. She's cracking up like this dude, fool, he crazy. You've been hitting on that stuff too much. What you talking about, fool? 90 years old, she conceives Isaac. 90 years old. I'm too old. What are you talking about, God? I'm too old. Ain't nothing coming out of this. Ain't nothing came out in 90 years. Ain't nothing come out. And you trying to tell me that not only am I going to give birth to a child, but I'm going to be a mother of nations? You talking foolish. But God showed her. And some of y'all keep looking at your biological clock. God ain't care nothing about your biological clock. He gave you a doggone biological clock. If God said it, that settles it. Amen. All of his promises are simply yes and amen. If I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. But I need you to get right and be prepared for it. Because what you're asking for right now, you're not ready to receive. You're not stewarding well what I've already blessed you with. And until you learn how to steward well where you are, until you learn how to plow well where you are, I've given you fertile soil. But guess what? You keep looking at your neighbor's grass. I want you to plow the fertile soil where I have you now. And once you plow that, I'll give you the increase. I'll, I'll, I'll do a Jabez on you and enlarge your territory. But until you fertile this ground, stop looking at your neighbor's grass and how green and beautiful it is. It's over there green and beautiful, not because I've just blessed them, but because they've plowed it. They've maintained it. They've stewarded it well. And when you steward well, there's increase. So maybe you still didn't get it. The reason why we have a problem with waiting is because we're looking at our, from things from our periphery. We're looking at life from our vision, from our scope. But I got to remind you what Peter said in 2 Peter. Let me help you out. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. Peter reminds us, he helps us in this. He says, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient. Watch this. For your sake. (laughs) Man, the Bible preaching better than I need to. The Bible is preaching better than I need to. He is not slow. He's being patient. There's a difference. He ain't slow. He's patiently waiting for you to get it together for your sake. Because what you're asking for, I'm going to give you. But let me expand your capacity. You got so much stuff in your life right now that there's no room for what you're asking for. You got so much mess in your life right now, there's no room for what you're asking for. You're still holding on stuff from your past. And until that stuff from your past goes away, I can't give you the stuff I have in your future. There's no room for your past and your future. You got to choose this or that. Which one do you want? What's coming or what you already had stop looking at what you've already had that didn't work for you get that out your system and make room for what I got in store for you he said Jesus is not God is not slow he's being patient for your sake so stop looking at your biological clock. I know a birthday's coming up. You're like, oh, I got another birthday, and st- stuff is still not working. Now, guess what? You're going to have more birthdays, and you keep having birthdays until you plow where you're at well and store it where you're at well, and then you'll begin to see the fruits of, of, your, of, of God's faithfulness to you. Some of us are not struggling from age issues. 
We're not looking at our timeline like, hey, if you're going to do this, God, I'm too young, I'm too old. Some of us, watch this, we're looking at our current condition, right? So I want to help you here. Your current condition doesn't alter the vision. Your current condition doesn't alter the vision. And here's what I mean by that. This is what I love about God. See, God doesn't look at your condition to decide if he's going to bless you, right? He doesn't look at your position to decide if he's going to bless you. Right. What God sees where mankind looks at your position, no education, you know, uh, no experience. That's that's mankind's view. Right. That's how that's position. God doesn't look at position. He looks at potential. See, and this is the difference between you and I. He don't look at your position in life or your condition in life. He looks at your potential. Oh, I'm a sinner. Amen. You qualify. I cuss too much. Come on and join the party. I doubt too much. Hey, there's room for you at the table. I got trust issues. Come on over here. I, I had doubt in Thomas, so you're good company here. Right? Whatever your issue is, God is saying there's room at the table because I'm not looking at your condition because your condition is not a prerequisite for the vision that I put inside of you. Because at conception, watch this, you had no condition except that you were conceived. And at conception, I gave you purpose. So there's no condition you can find yourself in that will alter the vision I have for you. It might cause me to kind of redirect you a couple times, but the vision I have for you is not predicated on your condition in life. If I said it, that settles it. Amen. So let's look at somebody who had a condition that was called a very familiar person in the Bible. Y'all know about this dude. Y'all know very well about him. Uh, uh, his name was Moses. And we know Moses had a, a condition that he felt disqualified him for what God was calling him to do. Uh, uh, God, <laughs> you want me to do that, but you, 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 you know I got a speech problem. And God was like, what? I don't, I don't understand the speech problem you have. I, I, I am that I am. I'm the great I am. If I said it, that settles it. Amen. I, I, I know you think you have a, a, a speech problem, but let me help you with this. So here, here let's go to Exodus chapter 3. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3. And my wife going to be mad because some of these scriptures I'm sure I didn't give her, but I think I did give her this one. Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. Moses resisted the call because of his inadequacies with speech and inexperience as a leader. Chapter 3, verse 11. This is the first thing he dealt with. He says this. He said, he said, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Who, who, who am I? I'm just Moses. I, I mean, I'm, I, 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 I have this lineage, but I was adopted by these people who are considered enemy. Who, who am I? And how many of y'all feel that, that who am I? You feel a burden for your community. You feel a burden for something, but you're sitting there, who am I? I ain't going to lie. Can I be honest with you? I felt the burden for Puerto Rico over a year ago. But I'm like, Moses, who, who am I? Who, who are the, I don't even know who to reach out to. I don't even know what to say. Y'all ready? Want to talk about speech impediments? I know my last name's Santiago, but I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> and let me tell you something about Puerto Ricans with, with last names. 
Oh, they will dog you out when you don't speak Spanish. Your name is Santiago. Do you not speak in Spanish? I sat there in Puerto Rico at that table, and they serving that food, and they, everybody's ordering, you know, if y'all know if y'all, y'all ever had a con-con, like that's a whole different kind of pork chop for Puerto Ricans, right, con-con. And everybody's ordering con-con. I said, I don't eat pork. Oh, you're Puerto Rican, you don't eat pork? <laughs> you con ghetto and you don't speak in Spanish? I said, I know, man. I mean, I'm an American Puerto Rican, but that is an oxymoron, but you know, you get it. I don't speak Spanish. You know what I mean? I'm serious. So when, when God calls me to Puerto Rico, I'm like, I don't, I don't even speak the language. Send me to Haiti because even then, I have an excuse because I don't have a French last name and like that. I, you know, I ain't got to worry about not speaking Creole or French, right? But with a Spanish last name, you can't go over to talk about, well, you know, I'm, so I'm just telling people my name. I'm Broderick. I'm Broderick. Just Broderick. That's all you need to know. My pastor friends are like, yeah, this is Broderick Santiago. He has family in Puerto Rico. I'm like, <laughs> So I had issues because I was like Moses. I didn't feel adequate to go over there because I know I had a language barrier. My Spanish wasn't so good. But I got over there, my brothers and sisters, on Thursday, and all of a sudden, the little bit of Spanish I knew worked for me. I hadn't spoken. My wife would tell you, she, she jokes, I know better. My Spanish is better than yours. And it was up until I went back to the motherland. <laughs> Once I got around my people, we were talking. I felt bad because they were having more conversations with me than the other people I was traveling with. They're like, hey, you know, I'm placing orders for people. I'm giving directions because I didn't realize that God had already gifted me. I just hadn't used the gift that he gave me. And God is telling you whatever you feel you're inadequate in, he's already gifted you with that. You're just sitting on it. You used it once before, but you stopped using it. Whatever you're inadequate in, he's already given you. You've got this far because of your inadequacies. You just stopped using the gift that I gave you. And I'm telling you the same thing today. You got a bunch of Moses in here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not qualified. I got a speech problem. I got, I'm not qualified. I've never led before. And God says, no, I know you haven't led before, but guess what? I'll lead you if you lead them. I just need you to show up. And, 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 and the Bible shows us in Exodus that, that Moses kept giving excuse after excuse after excuse. He got down to his final excuse. He said, but send somebody else. And even then, God wouldn't get him, let him go. I'm paraphrasing here for the sake of time. Even then, God wouldn't say, okay, cool, I'll send somebody else. He said, no, cool, you're right, that's good. You know what, I'm a, I'm a, you got a brother named Aaron, right? Check this out. I'm going to send you and Aaron. Since you want me to send somebody else, I'll give you help along the way. And this is what he's saying. He said, I know you may feel inadequate, but guess what? I'm going to send you some help along the way. Since you need help, since you think you need other people, since you think you have to have a better language, since you can't speak, I'll send somebody to speak for you. But I'm going to tell him what I want you to say. And many of us, because of our inadequacies, we give up on our dreams. That God gave to us at conception instead of asking God for help. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody in here that God gave you. A, it was definitely, y'all know it, a God-given dream. 
Nobody in your family has ever done that thing that you're dreaming about. Nobody in your, in, your, in your sphere of influence has done that thing that you know is burdening your heart. But you're looking at your inadequacies and saying, send somebody else. Let somebody else figure it out. I'll write a check. And when he said, no, you're the check I'm sending. You're the currency that I'm using to pay for the debt of other people. Because that's what he did for Jesus. When Jesus said, and just so you know, even Jesus had doubts. Even Jesus didn't want to go through it. Even Jesus had burdens. How do I know that? Because right before he's getting ready to go, Jesus went to God in prayer. He said, and, and the Bible says he was agonizing so bad that he cried tears of blood. And he said, even then, Jesus said to God, he said, Father, if, if you are able, remove this cup from me. This, this burden from me, remove it from me. And, 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 I, and I think that was an example for God showing us that it's okay to feel the pressures of what I'm calling you to do because what I'm calling you to do is that big. What I'm calling you to do is that important. What I'm calling you to do is that dope. And I want you to just feel that anxiety, but don't depend on mankind. In those moments, depend on me. And we got to take the example of Jesus that in those moments where it just seems impossible, incredibly impossible, we've got to look to God and say, God, I'm I'm not qualified. I've got some inadequacies. But if this is what you want me to do, check this out, homeboy. You've got to lead the way. I'll follow, but you've got to lead the way. You've got to send an errand. Uh, You've got to make me speak a language that I'm not familiar with speaking. When I was in Haiti, I couldn't wait to go to Haiti and serve there. Haiti is one of my favorite places to be. I love the island of Haiti. I speak no French. I took French in school, believe it or not. You know, so I, I, I could speak just a few words there. I knew no Creole. But you know what? You know how I communicated with the people in Haiti? God is so wonderful. He always gives us a language. I know the first language is music. Music is in an international is an international language. So I couldn't speak. And so here's what I did because I was sitting on the sideline and other people were speaking in Creole and French. And I didn't know what to do. And I wanted to get involved. They started doing a worship song that sound familiar. And I saw some bongos, not some bongos, but some drums over there. And I grabbed those drums and I just jumped into worship. And all of a sudden we became friends in worship. Why? Not because I spoke their language, but I spoke another language, the language of music. And we began to worship and I became friends with them. So every time I went back to Haiti, right, every time I went back to Haiti, I was always set aside. So when I would go to Haiti, the, the, the security guards that were taking care of us invited me to his house. Nobody else invited me and, and my pastor at the time to his house. Why? It all started with I couldn't speak the language, but God gave us a language that was mutual and that was music. And through that, we were able to communicate and learn about the real needs, not what the mission was doing. Brother Joseph, his name was Joseph. I said, Joseph, what do you need? Joseph's like, well, listen, we need a moped because I need because to send my kid to school, I've got to pay. See, unlike America, where we have a public school system, as long as you are in your area, you can go to any public school you want. In Haiti, if you want an education, you got to pay for that education, period, point blank. Not private school, just school. And you got to pay for the books. And you got to pay for clothes. And you got to bring lunch. So Joseph couldn't afford to send both of his kids to school. So guess what we did? We came back, raised money. He sent both of his kids to school. We raised money. We got Joseph a moped so he could have extra income. So he did security. He had a moped to do that kind of what we would call a car service over here. He now had a car service over there using the moped. So he extended his income so that he could help others out. Now, had we not had that communication with that drum, 
I would have never known his personal needs. Where God guides, he provides. That's my next point, by the way. So meet me over in the third, the third thing I want to say. Wherever God, wherever we're sent, God is provident is my third point. Wherever we're sent, God is provident. What does it mean, provident? Provident means that he provides. He provides for that future, right? So wherever he, we are sent, God is provident. Let's look at Elijah, right? I mean, we look at the prophet Elijah. God sent him to do some amazing work. He was trying to save these people who were, who were, who were, who were falling to some pagan things and some crazy uh, worship issues. And, and so he sent these people. They were, they were worshiping Baal and all of this stuff. So, so he sent Elijah to speak to these people to bring them out of this idol and crazy worship stuff, right? And so along the way, check this out, they, they, they faced some famine. The people that were with, with Elijah, they were facing a, a, a moment of famine. And guess what? They was there in the dry land. There's no water. There's no food. There's no, 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 no hope for life. And God sends ravens. <laughs> now, ravens ain't doves. We look at doves we're like, oh, we praise the dove. Ain't that so beautiful? We launch and release doves at funerals. We launch and release doves at weddings. But you ain't never seen nobody release a dove at a funeral or release a, I mean, a, a raven at a funeral, or release a raven at a wedding. And I think we should be giving some honor to the raven because that's who God sent to feed people who were going through a major famine. So Elijah is doing what he's supposed to do. They're hungry, and, and they're like, what are we going to do? All of a sudden, ravens come and bringing them food. Right? So the, the, we see that one example. So where God provides, where God guides, he provides. And then we see that, 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 that they, uh, they needed the rain to stop. Elijah spoke to the rain and, and, and he spoke to the, to the environment and the rain stopped for three long years, right? Uh, we see that, that they needed to, to replenish themselves. And we see that Elijah, according to 1 Kings, you can read this on your own, 1 Kings 17 and 14. Uh, we, uh, I mean, sorry about that. 1 Kings 17, 4, uh, they saw limitless jars of flour and limitless jars, jars of oil, right? Why is that important? Well, to make bread. We know how much the Bible talks about bread. God provides. He said, I'm sending you, but I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for you along the way. And then check this out. In the end, Elijah gets tired. Elijah gives up. He's tired of going back and forth with the people in ball. He gives up. And guess what God gives him next? Since I've called you to do this thing, and I know you're struggling, I got one more thing I'm going to give you. Since you are tired, I'm going to give you rest. Everything that Elijah needed to complete the work that he called him to do, guess what? God gave him, and that even included rest. Where God sends us, he's provident. He provides everything that we need. Well, what do you mean, Pastor B? Well, when I started this church, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, know, I didn't know we were going to get money. I didn't know how we were going to sustain ourselves. Then all of a sudden, uh, we spoke to the right person. We got 15 G. That's how we started our church with $15,000. Okay? God, God, I don't, I don't, I don't, I need some leaders. He sent some leaders. God, I need some mentors. He sent some mentors. And do you know God didn't just send any mentors? I mean, he sent people that, 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 that actually are powerful presenters and preservers of the word of God to be my mentors. I'm like, how in the world did I get access to you? Everybody would love to sit at the table with you. And here I am sitting here with you. And it's so big, I don't even know what to do. Like, so what, what do I do with this? Because you 
are who you are. Where God provides, guys, he provides. Not just financially, but he provides wisdom. He provides mentorship. He provides leadership. He provides protection. Wherever he's sending you, watch this, he provides language. <laughs> Everything that you need. So we're here, we're here, I'm like, God, I don't know how to run no church. God said, I know, just, just show up. I'm going to show you how. I'll take care of it. When we had negative balances in our bank account, God was like, <laughs> that ain't nothing. Let me show you how I replenish that. Bam! Instant money to sustain us. Do y'all know we've never missed a Sunday at this church we didn't plan? We've operated, I'm being transparent, these early days, we operated some months with a negative balance in the account. I'm like, I, I, I'm looking at God like, so now is it over? Can I move on now? We ain't got no money. God's like, nah, it's not that easy. Bam, money. We preached sometime, five people in the audience. Like, is it time now? All of a sudden, y'all start showing up like, I'm ready to move on. I'm joking, by the way. Keep showing up, please. Invite your friends online. Bring your people. Come join us. Hear me. Every time when I was looking for a sign from God, when I'm thinking that it's over, God's like, no, no, no. I'm going to give you rest because you're talking crazy right now. But when you come back, I've got work for you to do. We still have work where God provides. If God called you to it, God is not going to call you to something and not take care of you along the way. God is not going to put a vision in you and not give you provision. Whether that be money, that be influence or the right meeting. I know some of y'all get mad that doors are closing. Every time a door closes, you know what you need to do? Thank you, Lord. I, I, I was knocking on the wrong door because you said that if I knock that I shall find you. I obviously was knocking at the wrong door. So I'm going to keep on knocking on doors until the right one opens. Because there's a door that has your name on it. But some of us keep knocking and we get to that last door and say, you know what? Those last 20 doors ain't nothing happened. Man, forget 21 and I'm out. And he's saying, knock on that last door because that's where I'm at. Some of us have given up. Why? Because we've been knocking and God, we feel like God has not provided and he has. Some of us run away like Jonah. And I'll tell you, I know some of y'all are former track stars and can run your butt off, but you can't outrun God. You can't outrun God. And here's the thing. It's not in a bad way. If Jonah would have just paid attention, God was like, I need you to do something. Jonah like, I ain't talking to them people in Nineveh. That's Nineveh. I ain't talking to them Ninevians or whatever. <laughs> they crazy down there in Nineveh. I'm not me. And God was like, all right, cool. Well, eat him. Don't kill him. Just let him sit in your stinky, foul belly and think about his disobedience. And Jonah came out of there like, "Woo! thank you for fresh air. It's stinking there. Imagine what rotten fish smells like. Now imagine being in a fish that eats rotten fish. And he's in there. God, I'll repent. I'm so sorry. Send me to Nineveh. Send me to everywhere you were. Egypt. <laughs> Send me to where I will be there tomorrow. First flight out. I'm there. Say whatever you want me to say. You can run from God, but you can't outrun him. And we know that Jonah was blessed because he did it. His people, the people he would call to were blessed, right? You can run from God, but you cannot run him. So that vision you got sitting up there, God is going to get it. 
Either he's going to pass you by, but he's going to get it through your generation, or you could be the one to be the catalyst of change. You could be the one to bring your entire family uh, to salvation. You could be the first one in your family to graduate from college. You could be the first one in your family to operate a business because everybody else thought that working for the man was the way to do it. You could be the first, but you're afraid. And God is saying, stop being afraid. If I called you to it, then I'm going to provide for it. Here's my final word, and we're done right here. And Proverbs says it very simply. This, we need to hold on to this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is the part you got to catch because I think we could do that. But the only way you can trust in the Lord with all your heart is this right here. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And the reason many of us jump off the boat is because we're looking at our own understanding. Sarah looked at her own understanding of timelines. Rahab looked at her own understanding. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a prostitute. You want me to help? You, you know my sin, right? <laughs> Stop looking at your own understanding and look to the Lord. If God said it, that settles it. All of his promises are yes and amen. God never returns anything void. Everything he's given, everything he said will not return void. It will see. It will come to fruition. We have got to just believe and change our thinking. Some of y'all, and I'm done right here. If you're single, I want to tell you something like this. God has not disqualified you. You're overqualified with the people that you're meeting. It's not you. It's the people you're meeting. See, you're overqualified for them. They're not ready for a man or a woman like you. That job, you're overqualified. You're too good for them. You make them more money than you would make for yourself, so go ahead and make your own money. You're overqualified. You're not just qualified, but in God's eyes, you are overqualified. So all those rejections are not rejections. They're just stuff that was in the way because you're overqualified. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor V said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.